Welcome to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And in today's episode, we are so excited to welcome back author Lissa K. Adams. Lissa's latest book in the Bromance Book Club universe, Crazy Stupid Bromance, was released October 29th and, as you'll hear in the interview, is the perfect escapist read right now. Crazy Stupid Bromance follows Noah and Alexis, who have been longtime friends and haven't wanted to take things to the next level, even though they both have feelings for each other. When a mysterious woman reveals herself to be her long-lost sister, Alexis's world is termed, uh, turned upside down. With Noah by her side, Alexis meets her the father that she never thought she'd know and is faced with a life-altering decision that would leave them connected for life. Noah's worry for his friend begins to nod him until his friend steps in and welcomes him into the bromance book club. With a lot on the line, Noah and Alexis navigate grief, friendship, and happily ever afters in the third installment of this companion series. Here is my conversation with Lissa. Welcome back to Read It or List It, Lissa. This is so exciting. You're actually the first author that we get to have a repeat interview with, which is incredibly exciting as we have the Bromance Book Club universe expanding. (laughs) (laughs) Very honored to be back. So Yay. Well, when we spoke back in March, all of the pandemic things were just beginning and now here we are at the end of October and we're oh my gosh, yes. still in the same kind of setup, which is crazy. Um, but <laughs> how, how have you been doing? You know, we're doing pretty well. I I'm, I feel very, very fortunate and lucky. I, I live, um, you know, near my family. I'm not, I don't feel cut off, you know, like some, some people are just so cut off from their friends and family and I, I live really close to people. And so I can kind of have a nice little quarantine bubble, as they say. And uh, my daughter, you know, she's doing school at home, but she's she's a teenager. She's self-sufficient. So I feel like we've been doing really, really well here. Um, but like you said, I when we spoke back in March for, you know, when Undercover Bromance was released, I never would have thought that we'd still be dealing with this, you know, in at the end of October, nearly November with the release of Crazy Stupid Bromance. So, um, you know, here we still are. <laughs> I know. I really can't believe it. I actually, when I read Undercover Bromance, I remember I picked it off off my shelf that week because I was like, came out that week when everything was just starting to shut down in New York City. And I was so anxious. And I was like, I need a comfort read. I need something that's going to make me laugh. And wonderfully, your book had just come out. And (laughs) I have to say, with the release of Crazy Stupid Bromance, with all of the election anxiety that's going on right now, it was another completely wonderful escape. I (laughs) was reading parts out loud to my fiance. Like, (laughs) that's so great. (laughs) Like, full on. I was like, I don't I was like, stop what you are doing, doing turn off Brooklyn Nine-Nine. This is funnier. (laughs) Oh, that makes my day. <laughs> I, I've really perfected my um, the Russian accent. So <laughs> if you crazy. ever feel the need to do a gender bent version, I'm your girl. I will um, be sure to call you. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, Crazy Stupid Bromance just hit shelves this week on October 27th. And in your author's note, you shared that this was a really, really personal story for you to tell. Um, so what made you want to use a rom-com as the way to share it? 
Yeah. So, you know, I have always, you know, and just for people who don't know the sort of subplot in this book, and this is not a spoiler alert, you find this out very quickly in the book, is that um, uh, the main character, Alexis, um, she finds out um, that she has a, she's never met her father and, and a woman shows up saying, hey, guess what? I'm your sister. And this father you've never met, he needs a kidney. Would you be willing to get tested to see if you're a match? And, um, and so this is a, you know, a running plot throughout the book is her dealing with that issue. And um, it, it is very personal because uh, in my own family, we have dealt with a, a, a kidney donation. My husband, shortly after we got married, um, donated a kidney to his sister um, in very similar to the book in, in an emergency situation. You know, every donation story is different. Some people have um, months and months and months to prepare. They know way, you know, a year ahead of time that they're going to need a kidney and, um, and, and have time, you know, the donors have time to prepare and get tested. In our case, we, you know, found out in May that she was going to need a kidney by August. Oh, wow. And so my husband, out of all of the siblings in the family, um, out of, you know, four, five siblings, uh, was the only match. And so, um, and so I always, it was such an emotional process that, that he went through and that his family went through that I knew someday I wanted to explore that in a book. Um, but I never really had a character that I really sort of trusted with that emotional mm -hmm. weight until Alexis. I felt like she's, she's such a strong character. She's such has a character with so much depth and has been through so much that I felt like she could do this without breaking down, that she could be very, you know, that she would go through it in the way that I wanted to show someone going through it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's interesting, though, is that I always try to balance in these books, you know, they are rom-coms, there are laugh out loud moments, but I do also throw very, very serious and emotional um, issues into the books as well. I sort of bracket these, you know, um, you know, hum the humor, you know, is sort of a bracket for these um, bigger, more emotional issues. And I think one of the reasons I really wanted to explore this issue of, you know, of the kidney donation is because... Um, one of the things that we learned going through the process that I never would have thought about before was that when you find out you're the one thing standing between life and death for someone that you care about, it's really, really an emotional process. My husband would have started having nightmares. He's never someone, you know, he's never had nightmares, you know. He started having nightmares about getting in car accidents and being unable to go mm. through with the surgery. And and um, and so it was, it's just such an, a, a, a deeply emotional process. And I really wanted to, um, to explore that. And I felt like her relationship with Noah in this book, um, he is so supportive of her as a friend yeah. that I knew it would be perfect for them to, to experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that really comes through. It didn't felt, or none of it felt really forced. Um, yeah. and I actually, one of my friends, um, on her Instagram, she does a series on Thursdays called elevator pitch reviews, where you have the 15 oh, seconds, <laughs> um, you have the 15 seconds of an Instagram story to, pitch a book and this morning oh, I went on and she was doing crazy stupid bromance oh, <laughs> and I was like Kaylee I I'm gonna tell you a secret I was like I'm talking to Lissa in a couple hours like do you, have, <laughs> do you have anything that you would like to pass along and she said please tell her I massively adore her and she is 100% one of my favorite authors now Aww, really? she's a <laughs> Well, it gets better. She's a magical unicorn for mixing up feminism, breaking down toxic, toxic masculinity, 
using romance tropes to heal and grow all while making the books hilarious. Oh my gosh. That um, makes me cry. That's amazing. You know, organ donation is definitely something that I would never be like, oh yeah, I'm going to read about that in a rom-com. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. We don't, I think to so many of us, it seems so simple. Someone in your yeah. family needs something, you will give it to them. But I mean, we have two kidneys for a reason. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, it, it has a, you know, there, there's a, a lifelong implication for the donor. Uh, you know, um, one of the things that, you know, m- you know, my husband, it was never an issue for him. I mean, he knew as soon as he was a match, he's like, yes, obviously I'm doing this. But, you know, they sit you down, you know, as, as Alexis goes through in the book. I mean, they sit you down with a counselor and they say, listen, you got to know, you know, you're you will always have a pre-existing condition with one kidney. Mm-hmm. There are certain treatments for cancers that may not be as effective because you have one kidney. Yeah, you know, so they they have to tell you all of the, you know, all of the 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 long-term risks and implications. But, you know, ev- but people, of course, they're going to save the one that they love. You know, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it, and so it's such an emotional process that I knew I had to explore that sometime in a book. And it was really wonderful to see that she had in Noah someone who had her best interests in mind, wasn't letting Alexis be blinded by the need Mm -hmm. to help. Because as we know, um, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, she never met her father. And we know from um, undercover bromance what a big heart Alexis has. And obviously we get to see her cafe blossom and how she helps survivors um, of sexual assault and harassment, which was just so wonderful um, to see. And at the same time, completely laughing out loud. Like I thought I laughed out loud during undercover bromance, (laughs) but with this one, I, like I said, I was reading it out loud to my fiance, making him stop what he was doing. So obviously you were writing this during all of the uncertainty that has been going around. So how are you able to find the funny during all of this? Well, I'll be honest, every time I turn in a book, I say to myself, well, that's it. I've run out of funny. I, I put the last of whatever funny was in me in that book. And then still sometimes what I, I somehow manage to put these guys in situations that are funny again. But a lot of it is simply because what I try to do is I take these sort of guys that seem very stereotypical, right? These like mm-hmm. on the outside, they seem like your stereotypical, what we used to think of as alpha men, you know, and I just say, okay, now make them have the exact exact same conversation that I would have with my girlfriends. Like yeah. Just make it men. Like, you know, and for some reason that come that alone tends to come across as funny, right? Because it's mm-hmm. unexpected. And so, you know, in book three, they're planning Mac's wedding, Mac and Liv. And Mac's doing all the planning. He's doing all the stuff that a bride would normally do. And just that process of these guys talking about flower arrangements and seating arrangements in the way that women normally do, right? That the bride and her bridesmaids normally do that alone, just kind of the unexpectedness of it, you know, keeps it lighthearted and keeps it funny. Um, But I think, you know, the guys are always the ones who provide that humor. Um, Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, what I, the, the, the main two characters, the romance itself isn't, isn't necessarily funny, right? They, you know, they, you know, they themselves together are not necessarily the point of humor. Um, but it's, it's the guys trying to navigate life, you know, as they're trying to strip away these messages about toxic masculinity that they've learned and, and, um, the lessons that they're trying to learn and teach each other, um, yeah. can be humorous, you know. Which is also just so refreshing to see. And I feel like whenever I talk to people about these books, our favorite parts 
are the moments with the book club, because (laughs) especially as women and as readers, that's so something that we can relate to. And I, I really, I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think (laughs) Noah has replaced Gavin as my favorite. Like I, I, where did he come from? He is so, I love how stubborn he was, but at the same time, so sweet and gentle. Um, And I also need to know your thoughts on the man bun as he has a man bun. (laughs) You know, if I, I never would have thought that I would write a character with a man man bun only because every time I see one, I automatically think that guy probably uses more expensive like hair products than I do. (laughs) You know, this guy looks like he's, you know, but I, um, I'm just jealous of their hair, but Um, you know, it was just him when he came to me as a character, like I just, this guy has a man bun and he's got a scraggly beard and thick glasses. Like he just, that's who he was. You know, he's got a little bit, he's maintaining and and retaining a little bit of his rebellious teenage, you know, um, attitude, you know, even as he's sort of grown up and moved on from his, you know, rebellious youth. Um, but he still maintains that that facade of it, you know, he still mm. you know, has his hair too long and, and, uh, an untrimmed beard. And, um, but I, you definitely, can, Noah is, uh, you know, one of my favorites too. I mean, of course I love all my characters, but he, his relationship with Alexis was so satisfying to write mm-hmm. because he's so, he's so kind to her. Yeah. I think the kindness between them is what was just so wonderful to write. And I think has been, such a, um, you know, as we are going through such, you know, turbulent, uncertain times, even before the pandemic, you know, hit, um, to write kindness really felt like, um, you know, you know, it was, it was, it was aloe to a sunburn, you know, to just write some really, really kind people. And, and, um, I'm, you know, I, I, that was, that was good for, it was good for me. It was very cathartic for me. I always forget how much I love a good friends to lovers storyline because I feel like we're like, oh no, like enemies to lovers. It's so fun and so like foreign to most of us. But then I'm like, my fiance and I were best friends and we always were like, we're never going to date. Like, no No. way. Like, can't ruin the friendship. And here we are (laughs) 10 years later, (laughs) like have a life together. So it was my husband. We were friends first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some people are like, oh, no, that's boring. I'm like, no, it's so exciting. There's so much at stake. Like, yes. and who's oh going to be gosh. the one to make the first move? Yep. Um, I yep. love I loved it. Um, but speaking of a the the friends to lovers yep. uh, trope, you have written three really, really popular tropes in this companion series. So we had our second chance romance, enemies to lovers, and now we had friends to lovers. Yep. So what was the easiest or the most enjoyable to write or what was the hardest? The easiest to write was probably enemies to lovers because it just creates such a, an easy banter, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, the, 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 the sort of conflict between the two characters comes so naturally. I would actually say the hardest to write was probably the friends to lovers only because, um, that the process of taking these, you know, taking this couple from, you know, deep friendship to something more, you know, it has to feel fluid. It has to feel natural. It has to feel, you know, I didn't want it to feel forced. And that actually took a lot of refining in this book that, you know, that they had such a good, solid relationship. 
um, you know, at the beginning of the book and both were really afraid of screwing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, that was, that was hard to, to take, you know, to try to go from, um, you know, the friendship to, to, to the, the, the romance there. But so that, I think that one was the hardest, right? Cause I had never written friends to lovers before or even attempted it though. I like yeah. to read it, but, um, so that was definitely, definitely the the hardest. Now the next book, the next book in the series is another, um, uh, is, uh, a, a new trope that I haven't explored yet. So that's oh, fun too, but I'm so excited. <laughs> Which obviously, I I mean, I keep telling everyone in my Russian accent, I go, I'm not looking. <laughs> that was by far my favorite part. I won't tell you when it happens, but <laughs> um, I can't take it. Um, but obviously, NaNoWriMo is also right around the corner. Um, so do you have any advice that you would like to share for any writers who are hoping to use this time to complete a novel, especially with the added stress of the pandemic? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So the advice that I always give to to writers uh, stems from my own chaotic writing process. And that is that um, you right now, edit later. Um, in fact, I have a sticker. I just bought a sticker. I found a sticker on Etsy that says that. And I was so excited because that's my entire philosophy of, of writing is just get my process that I, the way I describe writing is it's kind of gross, but I, I just call it puking on the page. <laughs> my first draft is I literally just like spit up all over the page, whatever is in my brain. I just let it out in that first draft. And what's amazing about a writer's brain is that all of those things that just seem like random synapses firing, they're actually seeds being planted. And so when you go back in that revision process and you go back and edit you're kind of amazed at your own brain that you're like, wow, why did I have that character say that right there? Because that is perfect for, you know, this other scene that I didn't even realize was connected. Um, And so it's a really satisfying process when you start to pull all of it together. But my main advice is don't worry about perfection because perfection has killed more writing dreams than rejection ever could. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to, you can't, no one writes perfectly in a first draft, you have to embrace the art of, of shitty first drafts. Sorry, I just said a bad word. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we say bad words here. Embrace <laughs> the art of the shitty first draft because um, you can you can you can't edit a blank page, but you know you can edit stuff that's bad. You can make it good, and you just have to trust that your brain is putting all of that stuff on the page for a reason that you can finesse later and refine later. Um, uh, and, and, you know, whatever, whatever motivates you, if it's getting to that 50,000 word limit, you know, and, or, you know, and that word goal in, in NaNoWriMo, great, just do whatever you have to do to get to 50,000. Cause that's 50,000 words you didn't have before. And even if they're bad, um, it's stuff you can build on. Yeah. Um, that's just, my, my goal for is to not edit for 30 days. That's perfect. all that I, that's all I'm Good. asking myself. <laughs> Because uh, I am a serial editor, because I love my characters and I love yeah. to read them the next day, but then you get nothing done. It, um, it is such a hard trap. You, it's a trap that everyone falls into. Is you just kind of want to keep going back and rewriting and re, you know, editing and and yeah. uh, and it. But you have to just force yourself to to keep going. Yes. But when you finish writing, when you turn in a book, you always share that you yes. get yourself a cake. So I do. Where did that come from? <laughs> Um, well, <laughs> so 
So it actually stems from the fact that um, my husband is notoriously bad at um, like celebrating anything. And so all of, like he, you know, like he forgot my birthday one year and like, you know, like he's just bad at that kind of stuff. And so I have always gotten in the habit of I'm going to buy myself flowers, you know. Um, and so after um, I turned in the first uh, or no, the second book, which was such a hard book to write, um, I felt like I was like we need to celebrate. Like there needs to be some kind of celebration going on right now. So I just marched out and bought myself a giant sheet cake, like a giant sheet cake. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't even cut it. Like I came home and just took the top off and like took a fork to it. You know, like I was like so exhausted and happy to be done with that book. And so it became my tradition that when I turn in the book, I, I go straight to the grocery store and I I buy a giant, giant sheet cake to celebrate yeah I feel like if that's not feminism I don't know what is no (laughs) buy yourself the cake (laughs) buy yourself the flowers buy yourself the cake (laughs) although I feel like the guys would be like you let her go buy her own flowers what are you doing (laughs) I need to put that in a book someday as someone being like what you didn't celebrate that with her what is wrong with you (laughs) um Okay, so like you said, this book is um, taking place while Mac and Liv's wedding is being planned, Um, and the guys end up doing a very choreographed dance. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, would you say that it is more in-sync boy band style or Backstreet Boys style? (laughs) Definitely Backstreet Boys. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I knew I could count on that. Yeah, definitely Backstreet Boys style. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, the funny thing is, is I think, you know, what Mac imagines it's going to be like versus what the Russian is picturing, yes. you know. Um, but uh, no, that that was fun playing with that whole idea of them dancing, you know. It's so on par for them. Like, <laughs> it felt like, of course, of course, <laughs> it's what they're going to do yeah. at one of their own's wedding. Yeah. But we also got lots of hints towards what's going on with the Russian. And we know that his story is up next in the series. So can you share a few? I know you said it's a different trope that you haven't written before. um, But can you share any hints about where his story is going? I can. So I will I will share this. And this is not like the 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 blurb and everything is already up online. So I'm not spoiling anything by saying this. In fact, it's already up for pre-order, if you can believe that. Um, like, I'm like, oh my God, May 2021. Like, wow. Okay. (laughs) I know it, which seems like should be 10 years away, but it's not. Um, um, so it is a, um, modern marriage of convenience trope. Ooh. (laughs) Very fun. Yes. And it's, he's the, oh, I'm having such a good time. And you get such a different perspective on the Russian in this book, much different way because of where, where he's at when the book starts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, basically what I've been telling people is the guy who up until now, it gives everyone the hugs is the one who needs a great big hug. And so um, it, it's, it's just, Oh, I'm just falling in love with him with every word. Let me just tell you, he is the sweet, he's a gentle giant and I hope people are happy with, with the story I've given him. I think people are so excited because he is the one who, at least I always feel like he's the easiest one to be made, like just a caricature. Yes, exactly. And 
um, getting to know him as the books have progressed has been just so joyous. Um, And I mean, I, when he asked for the pedicure at the spa, I, just, <laughs> I, know. I like, love, I like, no, no, no one's touching your feet. Like, okay. The idea of just a big softy, like a big athletic guy who loves his friends, like running through being like the grand gesture. It's time for the grand gesture. It's just loves animals. He's all, such an animal. Yes, he's a delight. I can't wait for his book. And so, obviously, after his story comes out in the spring, what's next for the Bromance Book Club? Yes, there'll be two more books after that. And, um, you know, what's funny is I actually don't even know the release date of the the one after the Russians. I should know it, but I don't. That's terrible on my part. Um, But that one will be about a book, uh, you know, a character you meet in Crazy Stupid Bromance, and that's Colton Wheeler, the country star. So he is, after the Russian's book, is Colton's book. And that's what I will start writing. I will start writing his book very soon. Wow. I can't believe, I mean, putting out two books a year is insane. Two-day schedule, yeah. But, I mean, do you find that that helps or hinders the process? I'm sure it's different for every book, but... I mean, I feel like every six months, I'm like, we get more from Lissa? This is so exciting. You know, it's been, you know, yeah, it's definitely stressful and it's definitely, um, you know, I think it, the, the, the publishing timeline, I think has put certainly because of the pandemic has, has been stressful because it has, you know, the, at the publishing house, I mean, you know, they're not even in the office, you know, so um, we've definitely, you know, there have been a couple of times where we're like, why did we do this to ourselves? But, um, (laughs) But it has been fun because I feel like, um, you know, we're, cre- you know, I, th- this world that, that of the Boromance Book Club is one that I feel like we need something to smile about right now. And so I'm, I'm perfectly happy living in this world full time, you know, so. I am too. Um, <laughs> so, and that's how I feel like I'm living in the world full time right now. Cause the minute I turn a book in, I start the next book and then, and then I'm working on revisions and then starting another book. So it makes it very stressful and deadline time is, is a complete ugly nightmare here at my house, but I'm very happy to have that world to live in right now. <laughs> and there's cake when it's done. Yeah, and there's cake. Yes. <laughs> um, and I know you mentioned this uh, back over the summer when the news was released, but I don't, I'm sure that the pandemic has, I'm an actor. So believe me, I know how crazy uh, this time is, but is there any news on the Netflix uh, adaptation? Nothing, nothing new, just that, that, you know, that they, they have it and they, you know, they bought the rights and, and um, I know a script is being written. um, Oh, so you're not, not screenwriting. I am not doing the screen out of the screenwriting. Nope. Nope. We have a screenwriting team behind uh, the, the movie book club. Did you guys, did you ever know that book? It's got, um, it's about these, um, a, a group of women who have a book club and they read 50 shades of gray. Yes. Okay. So it's the screenwriting team that wrote that, um, nice. that wrote that movie. So they're the ones that are adapting the book for, um, for Netflix and, uh, uh, so we, you know, I'm not sure when the green light will come. We're hoping it'll be, you know, not too long because it would, I'm very excited to see their, the, the, my guys on screen. I can't wait to yeah. see what they do with it. Yeah. And then when we, our eyes are too tired to read, but we want to hang out with them. We can. Exactly. Anytime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining me today, oh, Lissa. Thanks for having always. me. 
you are one of the most amazing people to talk to. Oh. Um, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Just, you know what? I hope everyone is staying safe and doing well. And and uh, you know what? Come find me on, on social media. Um, my daughter says I'm terrible on Instagram, but I'm trying to get better at it. So come come find me and, and tell me how you're doing, because I know we're all we're all big balls of stress right now. So yeah, I, I feel for everybody. I'm, I'm with you. Yes, it has definitely been a trying year, but it looks like yours. We can still smile. So Crazy Stupid Bromance is available now. You can get it wherever you get your books. But here at Read It or List It, we always encourage you to shop your local indies or bookshop.org or Libro FM if you are able to. Thank you once again for joining me, Lissa. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you so much to Lissa for taking the time to come on Read It or List It. It always brings us so much joy to have our favorite authors be a part of the podcast and read their books and then get to talk to them about it. It just, it will always be one of my favorite things. Same. I had to really keep the fangirling in check, but she's such a generous person. And I think we say this during every author interview, it just makes reading their books and supporting their work that much better when you get to connect with them and they enjoy hearing from their readers. So you can find Lissa on Instagram and Twitter at Lissa K. Adams. Crazy Stupid Bromance is out now. And if you enjoyed today's author interview or want to offer your thoughts on the Bromance Book Club series, stop by today's Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. And as always, if you enjoyed Read It or List It in general, it would mean the world to us if you would hit that subscribe button wherever you wherever you are streaming this episode. Yes, it allows us to keep Read It or List It a regular part of your week. It's the best and a free way to support us. Um, and we hope that we get to keep continue doing this for a long time coming. So thank you for listening and supporting us. And we'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.